Welcome to this week five edition of Bruce Monin's Computer Points. I'm Bruce Monin, your host, recording once again from the home office in Minster, Ohio, and once again checking in from the greater Cincinnati area, home of the unranked two and one Cincinnati Bearcats. We have you know? our co-host, executive producer, and chief researcher, Rebecca Monin. It's a pleasure to be here. I heard about our exciting, thrilling game on Saturday while I was at a concert in Cleveland with terrible cell signals. So I just got a message at the beginning of the night that said, there's no way we can lose. And then five minutes later, oh no. And then I got nothing else the rest of the night because my signal died. And that's that's about how that game went, I think. Yeah, that was a, uh, I would say Cincinnati looked a little bit putrid in taking an overtime loss to Miami of Ohio. I mean, good for Miami. They've been having some close games with us for a while. Oh, there's definitely, Cincinnati had won 16 straight in the series. There's definitely a few of those Miami deserved to win. Yeah. So payback happens, eh? Well, our Bearcats, they get a chance to turn things around by hosting the Fox Big Noon kickoff game at historic Nippert Stadium against number 16th ranked Oklahoma, who's 3-0. and The big noon kickoff game. The entire Fox pregame show will be in town. It's kind of like ESPN game day. I think a little of the luster may have gone off the excitement there. Yeah. Former Ohio State coach Urban Meyer, who was a student and player at the University of Cincinnati, returns back for one of the few times. Rumor has it he didn't like his time there much, so he probably mm-hmm. hasn't come back at all. But on to more positive things. You heard the national anthem of the United States in the intro, just as it was heard in Madrid, Spain, Sunday, Ooh. as Sepp Kuss became the champion of the Vuelta a España. Woo, woo, woo. I think he and his teammates set a record for most champagne spray at the ceremony <laughs> at the end of the race. That's... um. Yumbo won all three major races, didn't they? Yes, they did. They had some beautiful new uh, jerseys for the last stage that had three stripes on it. A pink stripe for their win in the Giro d'Italia, a yellow stripe for their win in the Tour de France, and a red stripe for their win in the Vuelta a España. That's pretty cool. Yeah. We're going to have a lot of money next year for doing stuff with. (laughs) Actually, the way that kind of works is they don't make a whole lot more money for all the winning. Well, what's going to happen instead is everyone gets bonuses and raises and it costs some money. Gotcha. <laughs> Hopefully but the sponsor maybe, is happy though, right? Yeah, maybe the brand money is is doing better. <laughs> My man Sepp was the first American to win a Grand Tour race in 10 years since Chris Horner won the Vuelta in 2013. Before that, you either have to go back to Lance Armstrong's last Tour de France win in 2005, or Greg LeMond's final Tour de France victory in 1990, depending on whether you count Lance's wins or not. I mean, I feel like if we count Lance's wins, we have to count, um, who was that guy that Alex liked in like the 2010s? Oh gosh, Jasper. Lloyd Landis? Lloyd Landis! (laughs) He won in the same situations, and we don't talk about him ever. Well, he got caught during the race. Yeah, he wasn't as clever about it, that's for sure. Lance only got in trouble because he admitted it many years later. Mm, True. 
It's kind of like if you disqualified every Super Bowl winner who later admitted that their players used steroids. You'd have to wipe out the entire 1970s. Yeah. But anyway, a debate for a different podcast than this one, I am sure. Very true. So let's jump straight into our scores of the week, Rebecca. Scores of the week. Scores of the week. I have three this week, and one thing in common is I could find almost no details about any of these games. <laughs> Again, excellent material for podcasting. We are going to start with Dublin Kaufman 31, Westerville Central 29. Former Minster coach Garen Stokes's Dublin Kaufman team gets the win when kicker Matt Schramm makes a 52-yard field goal as time expires. Impressive. Especially since in many a post-game interview, Coach Stokes told me he didn't like kickers. <laughs> I do remember that being a common phrase. He had nothing against him personally. He just kind of wished the sport didn't need him. So he's a he's a big fan of that one team. Oh gosh, who are they? Defiance. Who don't have a defiance who don't have a kicker at all this year? He'd be a big fan of all those two-point conversions, as long as everybody had to do it, right? <laughs> Our second score, we're going out of state for the next two. Mm, okay. Demath- Dematha Catholic out of Maryland, 25. Roman Catholic out of Pennsylvania, 23 in five overtimes. Oh my gosh. Now, I what? still haven't found that any details here, but if knowing how high school works where each overtime you start at the 20, I'm wondering how so few points were scored in a five overtime game. Yeah. <laughs> they must have only been kicking field goals and started with not that many points. Or even got no points whatsoever, missed the field goals or went or went for it every time and didn't always make it. Maybe neither of those teams have a kicker either. I have overtime. Now, the interesting um, thing, the final score was two points. That gives two possibilities. Either one team scored a safety, or more likely, one team made a touchdown and missed an extra point. The other team made a touchdown and made a two-point conversion. That seems more likely, yeah. Yeah. To contrast, we move on to our third score of the week. And this is a game I actually had to follow because it affects Ohio computer points. Oh, okay. So Erie Cathedral Prep of Pennsylvania, 78. Athel Springs, St. Francis of New York, 72 in six overtimes. Oh, dear Lord. I think these teams scored some touchdowns in the overtimes, don't you? I would say so. (laughs) That's more what I would expect, so. As a former band kid, I am not I'm not um aligned, I believe, with the spirit of the game and of most fans. And I would have just been rooting for anyone to lose or win like two overtimes in. I'm hearing you're a big fan of bringing back the tie. I love a tie. <laughs> you know, English football has it has it pretty good in many ways, and the fact that they can draw in a season. Excellent. Very useful. You know, back to that Cincinnati-Miami game, that now evens the series at 60 wins apiece and seven ties. That sounds wonderful. Really (laughs) shows off how much of a rivalry it is. (laughs) 
where they have room to paint all those names on that bell, I have no idea. And all those scores. Who gets the bell during a tie? Ooh, I would guess. Do we just have like a town halfway in between Miami of Ohio and UC that has a display case for only for ties? I like that, but I'm thinking it might be like in professional wrestling. To be the champ, you got to beat the champ. Okay, okay. Previous owner keeps it until they get beat? That would be my guess. Just trying to figure out what's halfway in between Oxford, Ohio, and Cincinnati. Really? I was just thinking it's been a long time since I've been able to watch professional wrestling. There's no kids in the house. I could take it up again. Yeah, there's nothing stopping you now except your own habits. And time. And mom's disapproving look when she walks in the room. Yeah, there is that. All right, let's get going. Let's hit these regions. We're at the midpoint of the season. That means there's things to talk about for teams at the top of the standings, in the middle of the standings, and at the bottom. So we have lots of things to talk about. We will start in Division One, Region 2. Our good friends from Finley there. We said last week they're just going to win a lot, so we'll just mention them briefly. Okay, they're number seven. They won. They dropped three spots because they didn't earn many points with the win. And they are a heavy favorite again this week. So we'll probably tell you Finley won again next week. In Division Two, Region 8, we follow four teams. The highest ranked of them is number seven, Troy. They lost this week. The other three oh. teams won. So a little tightening of the standings there, eh? Yeah, we're bringing them in together. Kind of interesting this week, number 19, Piqua, one and four, plays number seven, Troy, who's four and one. Piqua actually gets into the playoffs with a win in this game. And boy, is that a rivalry game. You talk about a game that's been played a lot of times and the teams don't like each other. That is one <laughs> of them. By the way, Piqua's odds on getting to playoffs are a whole lot worse if they lose this game. So everything's on the line for Piqua this week. Quick, Dad. Yes. Piqua's mascot. The Indians. Ah. We used to occasionally play playoff games at Piqua Stadium, so you always saw their mascot there. Very true. Back to Region 8 here. Number 11, Sydney. Number 12, Lima Senior. Bah, number 12, Lima Senior. Lima Senior. Lima Senior. Both big favorites over 0-5 teams this week. So that's not going to help their spot in the standings, and there's not a whole lot of need to talk about it either. <laughs> okay. <laughs> if you say so. If I say so. We'll come back to them in future weeks, I'm sure. In Division Three, Region 10, we have Rebecca's favorite non-kicker team, number 12, Defiance. Someday I'm going to remember facts from week to week, but it, it wasn't this week. They won last week, but dropped one place because they defeated windless Lima Shawnee. That'll happen. Yeah. But somehow that was worth just enough points that we can now proclaim the Bulldogs to be playoff bound. Congrats, Defiance. And it really is a congrats because until last year, they'd had a lot of bad years in a row. So it's nice to see them back doing well. Still in Division Three, Region 11, we have number six, Bell Fountain. Bell a winner Fountain. A winner again this week. Other than their three-point loss to Coldwater back in week two, Bell Fountain is just rolling through their season. Uh, that could end this week, though. They face a tough, undefeated team from London, and that would mm. be London, Ohio, not England. Correct. Yes. Although it would be fun if they had, like, 
the beef eaters as their mascot. <laughs> and by the way, if you ask me London's mascot, I've got nothing. I've got a, oh, it's so unoriginal. It is? What is it? The Red Raiders. The Red Raiders. I think it's London. It's a little bit. It's a little, oh, I guess if you think about it in terms of red coats, maybe, but I have a feeling it's uh, Native American related. Oh. Red and white. Red Raiders, Red Raiders, Red Raiders. Give me a picture. Something that had fog in it would have been fun. Ooh, London fog is a lovely drink. Yeah. <laughs> the Big Bends? No, it's 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 Native no. American based. No. They have feathers. Oh, right. kind of disappointing, but such is. They life. could have done so many things with England right there. The fish and chippers. I don't know. The fish and chippers. <laughs> Somehow Bangers that doesn't and mash. Work, but I... <laughs> Their colors could be black London? and tan. I don't know. Oh yeah, the Big Bends. Over to Region 12. <laughs> People are going to regret asking us to do different things. <laughs> We're getting distracted. Anyway, number four, Tippecanoe. Number seven, Salina. Number 11, Wapakoneta. All winners this week all became playoff bound. We only have about eight teams that change status, and there's three of them right there in that region. It's an exciting region this week. All three of these teams are favored again this week. Slina Wapakoneta fairly well. Tippecanoe faces a tough three and two Vandalia Butler team. Of the teams of losses, number 10 Elida fell six spots after a tough 21 to 17 loss to three and two Lima Bath. I saw that game on WOSN. I think about a minute to go. Elida kicked the field goal to take a leave, and then they gave up a Long touchdown drive in the final minute for the loss. Elida is going to need another win to be in the postseason. But they are underdogs the final five weeks of the season. That's a lot of underdogging for a team that's, what is Elida? Four and one right now. Mm -hmm. You can tell their schedule is definitely backloaded. Oh, yeah. That's why they're not locked in, huh? That is why, yep. Division four, region 14. Our top team, Van Wert, number four. They're favored to win their final five games. But if they do, expect the Cougars to fall out of the top four, probably end up at number five, even if all five wins. They had their big shot to gain some computer points against Wapakoneta last week, and Wapak really took them out hard. It was a, I forget the score, 42-14, something like that, I believe. Lima Bath is at number eight. They gained four positions. After they edged out 4-1 Elida, as we mentioned before, Bath is an underdog in the final four games they play. So this week's <laughs> game against 0-5 Ottawa Glandorf is very important for them making the postseason. Got a couple people backloading their games. That's for Jeez. sure. At number 15, also of the WBL, we have Kenton. They dropped five spots after losing to Salina. They are underdogs in their next four games. We see it again, Rebecca. <laughs> there we go. Kenton probably needs to win two games to make the postseason, so we'll need to keep watching. They need an upset win somewhere in those next four games if they want to stay alive. And at number 17, Napoleon, and number 21, St. Mary's, both picked up their first victory of the season last week. Yay! 
Napoleon needs at least two more wins, which should be very doable. St. Mary's needs three more wins. That also looks doable. They actually look to be a slight favorite in four of their last five games. Now, hopefully that's not just the old computer still remembering last year a little too much, but we shall find out. I don't think out. it's got that kind of sense memory, but we'll see. We shall see. I know it does at the beginning of the year, but I think that might be worked out of the system by now. Gotcha. Also in Division 4, heading to the southwest, we have Region 16. Number 9, Urbana. Starts the difficult part of their schedule, facing 4-1 Jonathan Alder this week. The Hill Climbers, as I learned last week, need one or two more wins, which is probable. However, if they have one upset loss, they could be in trouble of missing the postseason. Number 24, Bethel, earned their first win this week. But they and number 25, Graham, are not looking very good to have any real chance at the postseason. I was just going to say, this looks like a region that's got a lot of potential still. We've got most of them undecided. Yeah, especially Region 14. A lot of uh, teams that had fairly good starts and now get to the hard part of their schedule. Will they continue? Will they not? Mm -hmm. The fun part is we get to see, right? Yeah. I know we've got quite a few more that are a bit more locked up, but this is leaves some excitement, some thrill in our statistics-based podcast. And as I peek over at my television to see how the Steelers-Browns game is going, and it says the Steelers are ahead 7-3 to three over the Browns. I missed two scores oh. about that. I don't know if you want to let our listeners know that you're not rooting for the Browns. I didn't say I wasn't rooting for the Browns, but I am not. <laughs> <laughs> if we ever have a... Uh, podcasts that need some filler i'll tell the story of how i became a steelers fan when i was oh, a, young a good man. one yes moving down to division five region 18 we're gonna start with well we're gonna mention that there are no real changes for any of the six teams we cover they all pretty much ended up where they started the week people won people lost did it change anything who knows that's pretty much it <laughs> We'll start with number two, Coldwater. They need two to three more wins to secure a home playoff game. And I'm guessing they should get them in the next two to three weeks. At number three, Liberty Center. They have won their first five games by an average of 36 points. <laughs> so here's, oh, another, here's another team that whose schedule toughens up as they are only favored to win by 34 points per game in their final five games. Those are the kind of statistics that are just ridiculous. Liberty Center has been on a roll the last few years, and it is not lightening up this year, it looks like. (laughs) Nope. About time for them to get a state title. This could be the year, maybe. At number six, Liberty Benton. Oh, they are favored by 38 or more points in three of their final five games, including this week's. (laughs) Region's just rolling. Yeah. This one's a little less interesting than one of the last ones we went through. At number 11, Indian Lake. They need one or two more wins to make the playoffs. And they are favored to get them. They're favored by 11 points against Graham this week. But remember, that game is at Graham, and Graham is desperate for an upset win to keep their hopes alive. So don't count that win 
in the record books just yet. And after winning their first two games, number 14 Spencerville lost their next three games by 35, 40, and then 56 points. So they are going in the wrong direction. Oh, no. That's where all the other points in the region went, huh? (laughs) And that trend may not change as they play 5-0 Lipsick this week. That's it's got to be a rough time to be a Spencerville fan. Yep, they've had some good years, but this, well, I say it looks bad, but guess what? They're number fourteen right now. They're in the top sixteen in this region currently. So, don't be surprised. We're still talking about them for many weeks here yet. I'm sure they'd prefer we talked about them in a better way, though, if they had. Well, I I won't go in depth into their schedule now, but you would think with those bigger losses that maybe the tougher part of their conference schedule. Was that I, I would think so, yeah. All right, moving to Region 20 in Division 5. This is the big matchup we've been waiting for. Okay. As the two teams we follow play each other this week. Ooh, who's going to come out on top? Both teams are 3-2 and two, as number 7 Milton Union hosts number 11 Miami East. The teams went in opposite directions last week. Milton Union moved up five spots after a win. That makes 12 positions they've moved up in the last two weeks, by the way. Well, Miami East dropped the same five spots after a loss. Now, Milton Union's almost guaranteed a playoff spot already. I mean, just all they need is a couple of other games to go the right way, and they'll be in. Miami East needs three more wins, but they are four touchdown underdogs in this game. So... This is probably not the week for those three, one of those three wins. We shall see. There was a big game this week where a four-touchdown underdog won by four touchdowns. We'll talk about oh that Oh, my later. goodness. Just think, if Miami East does win, they could flip-flop with Milton Union again, and we'd have more fun things to talk about. Yeah, I kind of like flip-flopping. When it doesn't involve you know the home team that I'm rooting for real hard. There you go. <laughs> By the way, Miami East odds improved greatly in their games in weeks 7, 9, and 10. So don't count out that three wins just yet. Division 6, Region 22. Now we're starting to get to our loaded regions as far as teams we cover. Mm -hmm. We'll start with the highest ranked team we cover, number 2, Bluffton. They have won their last three games by a combined score of 161-0. to Oh, you know, football's a little ridiculous sometimes. Yeah. A lot of times games are fun to go to. Those type games, not so much. A win over two and three Ada gets the Pirates one win away from hosting a first round playoff game. Now at number six, we have Columbus Grove. They are perhaps the best team in this region, despite their three and two record. Their losses to uh, Pandora Gilboa and Patrick Henry look a little more understandable every week as we see those Mm. two teams doing very well. Uh, Columbus Grove needs three more wins to host a playoff game, and they are solid favorites in exactly three of their remaining games. Hey, nice. Uh, The two games where their opponents are currently undefeated, that would be Lipsick and Bluffton, should be the more intriguing matchups on the rest of their schedule. Now we get down to some more interesting results here. A 14 to 12 loss to two and three Van Buren hurt number 10 Riverdale's playoff hopes. 
but it really helped number 14 Van Buren's. <laughs> Fun how that happens. <laughs> Riverdale now needs two more wins, but they are a 24-pointer more underdog the next four games, so they need one upset here. Likewise, Van Buren needs two more wins, but they are a 27-point or more underdog in their next four games. So another team that needs an upset win, which is kind of wild considering they're both in their top 16 right now. Mm -hmm. Sounds like they're going to have some nail biters coming up later on in the season. Let's hope so. At number 12, Wayne Trace rose four spots after beating one and four Hicksville, while number 17, Tenora, dropped three spots after a loss. Those two teams clash this week. I like that clash. Yes, you do. <laughs> In what is expected to be a close game. That'd be good. We could use some close games. No more of this 52-point blowout. Huh? Agreed. Uh, neither team likely needs this win to reach the playoffs, but the victor will probably end up with a higher seed come postseason time. So still an important game for both teams. Still an important game. And I'm starting to realize that you write your podcast script like you write your articles for the newspaper, which honestly makes a lot of sense. But <laughs> and then I adjust any... it as I talk them, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. If any of the listeners are curious about what Dad's thinking when he's writing his articles, it's the teams clashed. Oh, yeah, clash is good. Let's keep that in. <laughs> Back in the old days of sports writing, I used to pick one word out a week ahead of time. Make sure to find a way to work that into the article. And my mother didn't like it occasionally if she didn't know what the word was. That was. A... <laughs> oh, that's one of my favorite stories. The time I used the word epitome in an article. Epitome. Epitome. She was not happy with me on that one. That is one of the words that took me the longest to learn how to pronounce because nobody really. Like nobody uses epitome in daily life. And if they do, they do it only verbally. Yes. I actually, when I wrote that, had to look up how you spell epitome because I had no clue. And when I <laughs> saw it, it was not what I was expecting. No. <laughs> Those darn Greeks. Back to number 19, Paulding. They have now defeated three winless teams. So that means they have a relatively big second level points batch awaiting them as they play 1-4 Edgerton and 1-4 Hicksville the next two weeks. How you get a schedule in the first seven weeks of the season where you play three winless teams and two teams of one win, I have no idea, but they did it somehow. Holding is going to need both those wins plus an upset in one of their last three games for a playoff berth. So they play the teams with the good records in the last three games of the season. There you go, yeah. And finally, number 22, Hicksville, and number 23, Sherwood Fairview, both hanging on to their playoff hopes by the thinnest of threads. <laughs> not much hope there, to be honest. But not out of it yet. But no, not a lack of hope either. And it's amazing how one big upset can bring in big level points, too. If this were a sports movie, it'd be montage time. Leading up to the big game that locks in their chances to win the playoffs or at least get in the playoffs. You could write that right now, except if you were a writer, you'd be on strike. So true. Yeah, so you have to delay it for a little while, I guess I could still write it now. I would just give up. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't be able to do it for a contract and I would give up any rights to ever join the writer's guild, which would be 
a problem if I wanted to be a writer. Yeah. Or you could write it now and put it in storage until later. Yeah, there you go. Nothing stopping you from writing. Just can't make deals with the uh, struck agencies. There you go. Moving down the region 24 in Division 6. We're going to start with number two for sales. They have a very much anticipated trip to Marion Local this week. Oh, yeah. The outcome should have little to no effect on their playoff situation. But that 50-50 pot's going to be huge, I tell you. It's going to be a heck of a game, yeah. <laughs> I would guess the winner is going to be favored to win the state in their division. And I would guess the loser is going to be favored to win the state in their division. I was about to say. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I tell you, I bet you that'll be a full press box full of media. I tell you. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. There's not going to be any free pizza left over. I don't think Marion Local ever has free pizza up there. I'd have to think about it. What a disappointment. Yeah. Well. But the brew barn is going to be full. Ooh, yes, indeed. That'd be an exciting time out there. Big profits for Nick Moeller this week. <laughs> <laughs> the number five team in the standings, West Liberty Salem. They should host a playoff game if they win one of their final two games where they are the heavy favorites. To host two playoff games, they need to run the table. And they still have teams with records of 4-1, and 5-0, and and 3-2 and remaining on the schedule. So running the Oof. table sounds difficult. Our number six ranked team, Tri-Village, suffered defeat at Ansonia last week. And what I sounds like a very good game. And watch out for that Ansonia team. They sound pretty good. Uh, Tri-Village is heavily favored by four touchdowns or more in their final five games. But even should that be true and they end up nine and one, they will likely end up outside of the top four yet. So probably only one home playoff game for Tri-Village. At number seven, Anna needs three wins to get a home playoff game. They should be in the playoffs already with their two and three record, to be honest. Mm -hmm. With uh, Versailles and Marion Local still on their schedule, if they need those three wins, they better win over three and two Delphi St. John's this week. Yeah, the Versailles and Marion Local games are not going to be easy. No, those are... Uh, Quite the upset for anyone that beats them other than each other mm -hmm. and maybe cold water. Yep. Number nine Parkway keeps riding the second level points from their win over four and one now Pioneer North Central. They're probably playoff bound already. We can't quite block them in yet, but they're <laughs> so close. They're really close. Oh, so close. <laughs> so close. <laughs> one more win ensures it. But they play cold water this week, so they're... It may not, not be this week. It may not be this week, yeah. <laughs> At number 14, Allen East. They need two more wins to be playoff bound. And they are heavily favored to win three games, so that's good. However, you wonder, they are one and four right now. They had the tough part of the schedule early. Their morale may be a little bit low. And they play a tough Columbus Grove team this week, so they might be one and five. So even though the schedule lightens up, can they keep their keep their spirits high enough, right? Mm -hmm. And you know, how hard can that be? You know, figuring out how to motivate high school kids. Um, <laughs> it can't be that hard to get it. <laughs> Hardly not. Yeah, I, I I seem to have memory loss from when you guys were in high school. Anyway. I don't think we were that bad of 
<laughs> we weren't bad kids. I don't know if we were motivated. <laughs> there can be a difference. <laughs> and we have Troy Christian, currently number 15, so still just barely in the top 16. They dropped five spots this week. Ugh. And their playoff spot may come down to a Week 10 game against 1-4 Tip City Bethel, who is um, a couple of divisions larger than they are. So Ooh, okay. keep that in mind when you think of that 1-4 record, though. Number 17, Arcanum, also fell five spots. And they need may need wins in their final two games against 2-3 and three Dixie and a surprising 3-1 and one Bradford team. Why is that surprising? Because Bradford only played one game last year due to a lack of players. Right. So they are playing teams from all over the state who, who took a look and said, you know, we might be able to beat Bradford. So they found all kinds of teams that aren't historically successful around the state to play. And gotcha. it's paying off so far. I'm guessing that's also why they have a, a four-game record right now as opposed to the five of everyone else. Yeah, I forget. I believe it was... I believe it was some sort of team that doesn't count in the computer points, some sort of club mm, team or okay. something was their other game. I'd have to look it up and I'm not feeling it right now. <laughs> and you know why? Because I'm looking at division seven region 26 <laughs> and I see 20 teams there that we cover. And look at that. 12 of them won last week. I'm trying to figure out who Bradford played and I have their record, but I don't know which one doesn't count. What do you have? Middletown Christian. They don't count. Oh, okay, there you go. Why don't they count? I I'm I don't know for sure. They are not red. I'm guessing that maybe they take players from outside of their, you know, that not just ones that go to their school because it's a very small school. It was a non-conference game. They're from Franklin County, Middletown. But they are considered a club team, which usually means they take players from multiple school districts. Huh. Of course, they're, they're a private school to begin with, but I mean players that don't go to their school. Okay. Huh. Interesting. Good to know. There are several teams like that around the state. There's a couple down by your old stomping ground of Peebles, by the way. Oh, I believe that. Back to Region 26. Big All beefy right, boy. You know, hit pause, stretch, get a snack, and get ready for Region 26 here. <laughs> right. As usual, we'll work. start at the top and work our way down. At the top, Patrick Henry wins again. But perhaps in a much closer game than many thought this last week, the meat of their schedule, well, I would say is coming up, but actually it continues, I would say, as they travel to 4-1 Wasion this week. Ooh. Number two, Antwerp, and number four, Lipsick joined the ranks of the playoff bound with wins last week. Antwerp is favored to win out and secure not just one, but also two home playoff games. Lipsick needs three more wins to get that one home playoff game, which is very doable. And they need a fourth to get two postseason games at home. And that's oh, going to be a lot tougher. And what are you doing with that cat? <laughs> he, he's an affectionate nibbler, and he likes getting at any piece of skin that's exposed, and sometimes that's my face. So I'm blowing air in his face so he doesn't try sniffing my nose and then biting it. So once again, if only this was a video podcast. Really, yeah. 
All right. I alluded to this earlier, but perhaps the biggest upset in the state last week was number nine Pandora Gilboa beating number five Macomb 42 to 14. Wow. Macomb was a four touchdown favorite in that game, according to Drew Pasteur's fantastic 50 computer. So an eight touchdown swing. Eight. Oh, my goodness. Now, not only does this make Pandora Gilboa playoff bound with the unexpected win, at least by us, probably not by the players of Pandora Gilboa. <laughs> Maybe not. But it was that rare upset big enough that made the computer take away it's guaranteed that Macomb would finish in the top eight. And now it just guarantees they'll make the playoffs. It actually backed them up. It had it had that win baked into the calculations already. <laughs> Doesn't happen very often. Nothing is guaranteed. There you go. Like Antwerp, number seven, Waynesfield Goshen is expected to finish 10 and 0, but they will probably not make the top four with that 10 and 0 record. Not the most second-level points there for Waynesfield Goshen in their 10 wins. At number eight, Convoy Crestview needs two more wins to likely make the playoffs. And they are favored in two of their final five games. Okay, okay. If they they need a third win to guarantee the postseason, which will require an upset. But I feel pretty good about their chances with just two wins, to be honest. Yeah, should be good to go. The ninth-ranked team currently is Defiance Ayersville. Mm -hmm. They need three more wins to have a 50-50 shot at the postseason Mm. and four more wins to guarantee their playoff berth. They are favored in two games, and then they have two more that are pretty much 50-50 toss-ups. So they need to get one of those. Both would be nice, but the Pilots need at least one of those as well as the two they're favored in. Something to keep an eye on, that's for sure. That's exactly true. At number 11, Arlington rose five spots after a tighter-than-expected win over Worthington Christian last week. The Red Devils are expected to win three of their last five, which makes a playoff spot very likely but not quite guaranteed. Number 13, Lima Central Catholic. Just two and three, been playing a very tough independent schedule. They should easily win the three games they need to make the playoffs. They are favored to win all five and secure a home playoff game yet. Nice, nice, nice. At number 15, Upper Soto Valley rose from 21 last week, a six-position jump. And they are favored in four of their final five games. All four of these games will be needed to make the playoffs. It still appears... Their game in week nine against Harden Northern will be the one that tells the tale of whether they go to the postseason or not. At number 18, Delphi St. John's. They survived against 0-5 Fort Recovery in overtime last Saturday afternoon. I believe Fort Recovery was ahead by about 20-some points. St. John's came back, tied it up in time, won it in overtime. I believe they even hit a touchdown to tie it, but then missed the extra point that could have won it in regulation. But still pulled it out in overtime, so no harm, no foul. Oh, there you go. Okay. But due to this region having so many teams and being kind of tough, they probably need a win over two and three Anna this week to keep realistic playoff contention alive. So Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. more wins are always helpful unless it puts you into a spot where you have to play against Marion Local. Yeah. 
We're getting down near the bottom here, and here's what happens when you're in a region of a lot of teams. Number 17, Ada. Number 17, Harden Northern. Number 22, Ridgemont. Still alive, but all very unlikely to reach the playoffs. And number 26, Arcadia joins 25, Van Lu, 26, Lima Perry, number 30, Corey Ross, and a number 30, Delphus Jefferson, as now being officially out of realistic playoff contention. Big rip. There's just a lot of teams in that region. 33, which means 17 have to stay home. They don't make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. That's a tough one. And in region 28, our personal home region of the Minster Wildcats. Little plug there. <laughs> if you didn't know. In case you didn't know, yes. <laughs> we'll start with number one, Marion Local. They have almost already won enough to secure the right to host two playoff games. Probably not on their mind as they host uh, Versailles this week. At number two, Ansonia. They have earned the opportunity to host their opening playoff game, just like Marion Local, with a 30-22 win over 4-1 Tri-Village. Nice, nice, nice. Ansonia favored in their last five, and thus, good guess, they will host two playoff games, not just one. They should finish in the top four. At number three, DeGraff Riverside needs four more wins if they also want to host two playoff games. Next week against three and two Layman could be the critical game for the Pirates in this quest. Arr. Pirates should always have a quest, shouldn't they? Yeah. A journey. A mission to find the booty. Pirates booty. The Pirates. cheese puffs from Costco that oh. mom likes. She loves those things, I tell you. <laughs> We go through bags of it, I tell you. <laughs> Little cheesy balls of air. They're lovely. And <laughs> it's called Pirate's Booty. What's not to enjoy? Yeah, I, I'm not sure where the name comes from, but <laughs> they're good. So go out and buy some today. Costco, send us some cash for this advertisement. <laughs> At number seven, Minster, now playoff bound. Woo. Thanks to beating Anna this week. And three or four more wins are needed for a home playoff game. With Versailles waiting in week 10, the Wildcats probably want to win at least three of their next four games. Ah. At number eight, we have Bradford. Again, three and one. They may make the playoffs without another win even. But a win over two and three Dixie this week will lock things up for the Railroaders. Railroaders. I was Good just name. in Bradford two weeks ago. If you're going to a... tell me they don't have a train track there, I'm going to be very upset. There's actually like a railroad museum in town. Good. Yes. This is I an was... excellent mascot choice. I was there on a bike ride. By the way, the bike trail that dead ends into a chip and seal country road is not a good idea. <laughs> this episode also sponsored by Bruce Monin's dislike of chip and seal. Don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> but we we pressed on through the rough road, made it into Bradford, and had breakfast at the, hmm, what was it called? The train stop or something like that. Fantastic. My pancake covered the whole plate full of chocolate chips. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> Can't wait to go back. The train stop restaurant. Good I was stuff. impressed. I love a town with good branding all across it. Wapakoneta, yeah, 
everything space. Thank you, Neil Armstrong. Good stuff. Bradford is pretty much all train related through town. Yep. Love that. Keep it up. Except don't they have a big, uh, like a pumpkin festival there with lots of confetti? Is that where the confetti is? There's, there's two. I think there's one like in Circleville or somewhere like that too. But Bradford Yeah, Circleville has, has the bigger pumpkin one. Bradford has one also. Bradford has one also. And of course, it's Pumpkin Fest in New Bremen this weekend. I believe confetti, Bradford however. is the confetti one. Yeah. I learned that when I was in Bradford at the train stop, there is a day that is confetti free. If you don't want to get confetti all through, they it's have a Wednesday. confetti free day. Yeah. So apparently it's a week long type festival. Wednesday. <laughs> apparently. Yeah. None of this oh weekend goodness. stuff. They're serious partiers in Bradford. I can't imagine. I really hope they've switched by now to like all paper or biodegradable confetti. Cause if they're using plastic or, oh my goodness, it's there's third graders, everything. single hole hole punchers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's their yeah. art project for the year. You know, I learned a couple weeks ago about a historic event that happened in Cleveland where they tried to break the world record for releasing the most number of balloons at once. They did, but it led to a whole bunch of uh, terrible consequences when the balloons got into like boat engines and <laughs> uh, obstructed the view of search and rescuers who were looking for some fishermen who might have drowned <laughs> and clogged up all of their infrastructure and drainage systems. So learn from, learn from Cleveland. If you're going to release things into the air and the water systems, make them biodegradable. Don't make them rubber or latex. <laughs> And another example, never underestimate the law of unintended consequences. Yeah. All right, back to Region 28. Although that might be the most I've ever talked about Bradford in my life. But... Yeah. Sorry, Bradford. We'll talk about you more sometime. You should. Like I said, I can't wait to get go back and get more pancakes there. The hash browns were excellent also, by the way. Very good to hear. At number 10, Mechanicsburg. Needs two more wins. They picked up a win this week. Their best two shots are probably against two and three Fairbanks and winless triad. They get those two wins. They should make the playoffs. Or they could just upset 5-0 and West Jefferson this week, and that would do the job, too. <laughs> that would do the job. Seems like at, it might be a bit of a challenge, though. At number 12, Sydney Lehman likely makes the playoffs if they can beat one and four Bethel this week. Seems doable just with the stats, but that way, yep. You never know. And just without me looking, just Cindy Lehman seems to be one of those teams that the that the computer thinks a little more highly of every week. They keep beating teams by a little more or not losing by as much as expected. They just keep maybe they're improving week by week. They're trending upwards. Yeah. At number 13, we find defending state champion New Bremen, currently two and three. They, of course, they already went through the Marion Local Versailles section of their of their schedule, if I remember right. So they're in a bit of a valley, and they're ready to climb to the top. Yes. They need two more wins to make the playoffs. Their next two games are against 0-5 Fort Recovery and 1-4 St. Henry. So they have a shot right there. At number 14, Fort Larmie, struggling through that tough independent schedule that they've had lately. As of this recording, 
Sometime tonight, the Fort Laramie School Board is supposed to vote on whether to join the Northwest Conference for football only next year. Mm-hmm. None of those teams are what you would call close, but they're a lot closer than the teams are playing now. That's for sure. So I'm, I'm guessing they will accept. Yeah. But Fort Laramie needs three wins in their final five games. They are favored the next three weeks which is a good thing because they are underdogs the final two games against Lucas and Lima Central Catholic. Mm-hmm. So Fort Laramie needs three wins the next three weeks. I think they'll get them, but we'll have to keep an eye on that. At number 15, we have one and four St. Henry. They only need one more win, but they are big underdogs the next four games. Week 10, they travel to winless Fort Recovery. Probably their best shot at a win. But if you remember, Fort Recovery just about took out Delta St. John's last week. That is a good 0-5 team, I tell you. I've seen him in person. That is a much better team than 0-5. Hmm. Interesting. And we have winless Covington and winless Mississippi Valley. Both need an upset to have any chance at the postseason. Winless Fort Recovery needs an upset in the next four weeks and a win over St. Henry in week 10. So They've they missed a couple of chances. Now they really have their work cut out for them. Oh my goodness. And that, Being a bad color commentator because I'm just yawning through things. <laughs> and finally, we have eight man football here. Eight man. Again, if you look at the far at the end column, they not a team here moved in the standings this week. We're all being very consistent. The top team, Holgate, played against a club team from Indiana. And they won, but they get no computer points for that. <laughs> it's a club team. No change in their computer points. So number two, Toledo Christian. Number three, Sandusky St. Mary's. Each turned wins to close the gap just a little bit. Not enough to catch them. The big game this week's probably a little farther down. That same Sandusky St. Mary's team, ranked number three, plays number four striker. I don't think I've heard the final official word on the eight-man playoffs it's supposed to be announced during the regular season but i'm assuming they will take the top four okay that would make sense last year so a game between number three and number four the winner's going to feel pretty good about being in the top four the loser's going to be on the borderline so mm-hmm. that will be the big game in eight-man football this week well that sums up week five rebecca all right another podcast in the books in the can, so to speak. In the in the can? In Hollywood, they used to have the film on those big reels, and they would put them in those metal cans when they were done. Oh, I was thinking trash can. So ah, Yeah, not the trash can, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> if you have any comments or questions or observations about old idioms that we use without really knowing what they mean, you can send those to us at bdmonin at nktelco.net. Or submit them to us on the uh, social media site, formerly known as Twitter, to at Bruce Monin. And we'll be happy to respond. We're really just looking for friendship. Yeah, I was highly disappointed we didn't receive any last week. I mean, all not, even a, not even like a, hey, that wasn't stale at all. You really spiced it up. Nope, nothing at all. Dang. Yeah, I know. Disappointed. See if we try that again. <laughs> I have more dice. I can figure out what to do. No more spice coming here. (laughs) As always. 
bland, zero spice, plain white rice. Ooh, I love plain white rice. I know. (laughs) Milk and rice. Let's go. That might be lunch tomorrow, actually. Oh, no. (laughs) Maybe a hamburger mixed in. Maybe a little bit of salt. Yeah. A little bit of... uh, a little, a little beef bouillon. That's just, that's just, uh, that's just salt, basically, right? Anymore for more uh, hot takes and interesting opinions about football or whatever comes top of mind, you can keep listening to us by uh, subscribing to the podcast on the Apple iTunes Store, Amazon Music, or iHeartRadio. All you have to do is search for Bruce Monin's Computer Points, or just Bruce Monin, or I haven't tried it. But maybe even just Bruce. I think you have to get a little bit into the monon before you get it. There's Dang. a lot of Bruce. I think you get like Bruce Springsteen or stuff like that. Oh, I forgot about Bruce Springsteen. I think there's a lot of other Bruce's out there somewhere. Oh, dang. I don't know. Anyway. Bruce Lee probably does have a podcast. He might probably be dead. not. Anyway. <laughs> Bruce Banner. Bruce Banner. Yeah. Not a too fictional, fictional Marvel character. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, we're very findable. Yes. And as always, please, despite this ending, be sure to tune in again next week here on Bruce Monin's Computer Points. Or because of it. I like it. Nobody listening. There isn't. <laughs>